Welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People, a regular podcast on radical, environmental and anti-capitalist politics, brought to you by Bob Bazanka and Scott Parker. Welcome to the Silky Smooth Sounds of the Green and Red podcast. I am your co-host, Scott Parkin in Berkeley, California today. And as always, I am joined by... Uh, Bob Bazenko from Houston, Texas, but currently in Northeast Ohio, not far from our Yinzer friend, Mike Elk. And uh, we always start by thanking all of you uh, for uh, listening and watching. We are a scrappy, small podcast taking on big podcasts. We're like the 69 Mets of podcasting, right? And uh, the one thing we always ask is, especially is to share these, tell your friends about it, share it on Facebook or Twitter or uh, like it, um, rate it on Apple or whatever, uh, subscribe to YouTube. We're, we're all over the place. We have green and red media on medium. So please uh, do whatever you can. Cause as we always say, the people we talk to are the, it's the real story here. It's not Scott and me, although Scott's so damn good looking that everybody wants to see him on YouTube. But, uh, the real story is the people we talk to who deserve like really, really wide audiences and, and a lot of, even left media don't really talk about the things that, that we do. So uh, for their sake, get this out there and, and tell as many people as you can about it. Yeah. And besides sharing our content, listening to our podcast, if you have a few extra dollars, we always ask folks to donate to the green and red podcast. You can do that by going to our website at green and and hit that support button, or you can go to our Patreon page, the home of all great grassroots media uh, fundraising crowdsourcing but go to patreon.com backslash green red podcast and support us and become a recurring donor we have a small but mighty donor base within patreon that we affectionately call the m19 brigade and so we definitely uh would love to grow the m19 brigade so please donate to the green and red podcast or become a patron and today uh, we are going to be continuing our conversation conversations about the Amazon workers union drive in uh, northern Alabama. Uh, our previous episode, we talked with Mike Elk from Payday Report uh, about the union drive going on in Alabama. We talked about a lot of things with Mike, but that was like one of the main things we wanted to talk about. And so today we're talking with one of Mike's colleagues who has been working with Payday Report as a, a I hope I get this right, Bill, Greeter, Bill Greider grant recipient in Alabama. Uh, his name is Alexander Ritchie. And Alex is a freelance radio producer, sound designer, and documentary photographer from the Shoals area in Northwest Alabama. He's producer for the Unjustifiable podcast with Reckon South. And then he is also the executive producer and director of the podcast and radio troupe All Scout. Uh, welcome to Green and Red, Alex. Hey there. Yeah, good to be here. It's quite a mouthful of uh, of uh, everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I've gotten the, the bio reading down in a really efficient way, though. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, right now what's going on, and this is a, a national news story, maybe an international news story, is this union drive going on in Alabama, about 6,000 mostly black Amazon workers in uh, Bessemer, Alabama, 
are deciding whether to organize the first ever union at an Amazon fulfillment center, which is particularly unique. It's not New York, it's not in California, but it's actually in the in the heart of the South. Uh, and although you know Birmingham, the area has a long history of of labor activity and labor organizing. Uh, it's, you know, in many ways, uh, actually one of the things that Mike said the other night was it's the Pittsburgh of the South. And so Biden has also come out in support of this. The vote is in about a week, less than a week now on March 29th. 29th yeah. Or that's and, when it concludes. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm wondering if you could just actually, since you're, you're there in Alabama, um, if you could actually just start off by telling us a little bit what you've been seeing on the ground, like what maybe what you've been covering and like some of the dynamics that you see going on. Yeah. Um, um, it's been kind of interesting, interesting cause, uh, it's been sort of a slow burn for me up until kind of Mike reached out to me as the, you know, Alabama guy on the ground. Uh, but I started catching wind of it, I'd say probably in December and, uh, just a kind of a remarkable fact that, Oh, a, a union, organization effort is happening at a Amazon plant. And then the fact that, oh, it's in Bessemer, Alabama, and it's in Birmingham, like, um, that was pretty wild. And so, um, you know, I was kind of aware of that, what was going on. And then kind of late February, early March is when I uh, kind of hopped on with Payday. And since then, I've been uh, going down to the plant pretty often. Um, the uh, the union that is um, helping organize the vote, the uh, retail, wholesale and suppliers, excuse me, it's a weird acronym. The retail, retail wholesale, wholesale depart, department, department store employee, yeah, a union. Um, the union hall is actually like right down the street from my apartment, so it's it's pretty convenient if they have a rally or something to just drive two minutes down the road. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of uh, uh, a lot of high profile people have come in uh, in support of uh, the vote and and sort of the effort here too. Um, there's been a big congressional delegation of, of uh, uh, you know, different representatives from the House. Uh, uh, our representative here, Terry Sewell, came down. Uh, Andy Levin from Detroit, Corey Bush from uh, Missouri, and uh, Nakima Williams and uh, Jabal Bowman. So they were kind of some high-profile government people, and they came down and sort of showing their support. And, and also that you know it was interesting that they had to be very careful about their words of like they were supporting the right to vote not necessarily the, the union. Uh, but um, aside from these sort of people coming down and, and staying for a day, there's, um, you know, I as the vote is getting closer to its conclusion, you're seeing more, you know, signs across Birmingham that say, you know, vote yes, union. And uh, I, I get all these weird, you know, advertisements on Facebook and Instagram for it. And so as it's, you know, as it's been going on, there's more and more attention. And, um you know, outside the plant, it's almost 24-7 volunteers or organizers standing outside of one of the intersections, kind of to the gate of the plant, you know, holding signs and placards and trying to show support for it all. So it's really been interesting to see, I, I don't know, just to kind of witness it firsthand and, and see from so many different perspectives of all these other people that are, you know, driving or coming in from all all parts of the, the country to sort of, I guess, show solidarity to the the workers there which is interesting what what are you hearing from the workers themselves from the amazon the uh amazon people you talk um to? uh yeah it seems to be uh i would say that uh, like a majority of the people 
that I've talked to at least seem to be in favor of it. I've only talked to a few people that have, you know, expressed any, um, you know, hesitation or, or, uh, uh, you know, that have outright said that they're voting no, but, um, you know, obviously at these rallies, it's probably going to lean more towards people that are in favor of the vote naturally. But yeah, it seems like people are, are, uh, uh, motivated by it. And, and, and also like the interesting dynamic, I think what, what has been tied to this movement or what make this, this movement so special is that, that there are all these illusions being drawn to the civil rights heritage here as like, this is sort of the uh, almost the the spawning of a new sort of movement of our generation. You know, it's being so closely tied to uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter and the the movement surrounding George Floyd this past summer. And they're, you know, I guess marketing this or showing this as like this is their, you know, this is the like a fight for recognition for these workers because they are largely black. I think it's somewhere in the vein of eighty to eighty-five percent. You know people of color that work at this plant and a majority of those are women. And so, you know, it's sort of a fight for their recognition in a sense. And so you're seeing all these groups, um, you know, they're coming from these different activists, social justice sort of organizations, you know, socialist sort of uh, organizations coming together to sort of show support. And so like that, that idea that, um, you know, fight for these civil rights is, you know, kind of what they're describing it as is, is very, very apparent in, in a lot of the protests. It sounds, it sounds actually a bit like what we heard last year when the, the Sanders campaign would come to a, to a state for like a, a primary, for a primary election. It's like lots of people hitting the streets, the, the you start seeing all the, the social media ads and then, and then the, it's very much evoking this, this history of civil rights struggle and labor struggle. It's, it's very interesting. I'm kind of curious what the workers are saying about how Amazon management is responding to the union drive. Mm. And, you know, in the, in the, in the vein of that history, there's like struggle means that there's a fight. And so like, how is, how is the management responding? Yeah, it's been, it's uh, um, been interesting to hear. And, and a lot of what I'm hearing, I think, in terms of like sort of the, uh, I guess what a lot of the workers and organizers calling it, you know, the counter propaganda uh, against the vote, um, it, you know, all these messaging, you know, across the plant, there apparently are, you know, signs at eye level when you sit down at a stall in the bathroom that, you know, sort of tell you the, the evils of, of union unionizing. And, uh, and then even on the plant itself, you know, the, the plant is like, you know, measured in football fields. It's like four or five, six football fields long. And there are these huge banners that say vote, you know, and it doesn't say like vote, no union. It just, just says vote. But, uh, uh, hearing from a lot of the workers and then, uh, you know, I guess Mike is sort of, I guess, passing on a lot of what he's heard from different, uh, uh, workers. There's, you know, they're, apparently firing low-level management and sort of intimidating people. And there's been reports that um, workers will just be fired and not told. And then they show up at the plant and then, um, you know, they clock in or their their beeper or whatever it is doesn't work. And, you know, they just go about their job as normal. And then all of a sudden the cops show up and uh, arrest them and, and, and take them away because they're loitering or, or what have you. And so there's a lot of these, you know, apparently – 
intimidation tactics, I think, for some of the workers. And um, Mike has said that, uh, you know, they're, I, I think he, he quoted as saying that Amazon is spending upwards of like $25 million to sort of fight this union drive. And uh, I think the big thing that's been interesting to me is that they've hired a lot of these like corporate lawyer types, like these very, um, you know, affluent uh, Morehouse grad uh, black guys out of L.A., there are lawyers out of L.A. that are coming in to sort of sweet talk a lot of the workers and sort of, you know, kind of tell them, oh, you don't need this union sort of thing. And, the union um, busters. Union busters, yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, yeah, Morehouse is a, a, a kind of a, a prestigious HBCU. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. The the one thing that really gets me that I think is really interesting is is apparently Amazon, the plant there, has worked with the Bessemer City to change – the traffic lights outside of the the gates of the plant to where when the workers get off the shift, they don't really have time to stop at the intersection. So they don't really have time to interact with the organizers. And, you know, so they just zoom on by. But I, I, I think that measure is ineffective because, you know, the times I've been out sort of recording and documenting kind of outside the the intersection there, it seems like, you know, you get a lot of car honks and, and even the huge uh, Amazon uh, semi trailers will come by and they'll honk their horns and stuff. So it seems like there's quite a bit of support, you know, at least by the car honking, if you will. Well, Mike the other day said that there's also kind of a generational divide here because a lot of the um, the pickers. I, I listened to the interview that you put up on Twitter with Ray Richardson, who actually got the ball rolling. He he Googled how to start a union at Amazon or something like that. Really fascinating guy. But he said there's a generational divide where like a lot of the these like younger people who are, you know, they have more stamina, they can pick, you know, all these packages and they make pretty good money. And you have then the older people, you know, so I mean, have you seen that this kind of like the, where there's this like kind of internal division? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little hesitant to say, but a lot of people have described that this is not a fight over. It's not a fight about wages. It's a fight about the conditions. And, and like I said, the recognition. And so you know, $15 an hour around here is pretty good. And that's what they're, you know, that's what they're being paid there. But it's still pretty grueling work. And, and it's not even, it's below the median income for warehouse jobs around here, at least. So there's this, this idea of, you know, among the younger black guys that, you know, they're young and fit, and this is tough. And it's just kind of like, I'm going to go in and get my money and get out. And I don't care what what happens. And uh, surprisingly, that's not you really don't see a lot of younger black guys at, at these rallies and these events. It's a lot of, um, you know, older, uh, black guys and, and lots of black women and, uh, the, these young hip, uh, socialist types. There's a lot of the, uh, a big Bernie crowd is, is kind of a common, uh, a common thing among a lot of the other organizers and, and people that have been involved. Uh, but, but yeah, it seems like that, you know, because the work is so grueling, um, I don't know the, the the people that can't able to hang sort of just come in and and they do the work and they don't seem to fuss or they at least tolerate it sort of quietly in a sense. But the older people that you know may have started the job and uh, it's pretty demanding on their bodies. I imagine that they're the ones that could you know I don't know. I guess they're the ones that could uh, uh, um, need this these better working conditions or I, I don't want to use the word need, you know, but, um, um, that would, 
they would be prone to advocate for these these things. Yeah, so it would, it would potentially okay. benefit them. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. I the interview today. I, I don't know how old Ray Richardson is, but he said he goes in at seven fifteen and he works till five forty five. So that's a ten and a half hour shift. He gets two breaks. Um, you uh, they track your hours. If you're like ten minutes late, they take an hour away from you. Right, yeah. the whole hour, not just the ten minutes. Um, but he was talking about the, the number of packages he has to pick was just this stunning number. It was like, I don't know if it was 1,400 an hour. For, had, I mean, maybe 1,400 an hour, 1,400 a day, probably an hour, actually. But he said the issues, because he mentioned the pay, too. He's like, the pay is not really that bad, especially where, you know, it goes far further there, though, obviously, than it would in you know, a big city. But he said the issues were um, seniority, security, safety, and, and breaks. So these are more like, I don't want to say quality of life issues, but they're they're not, Absolutely. I mean, obviously wages are always part of the equation, but, yeah. but it's just this idea that, you know, they're making you work 10 and a half hours a day. They're not giving you bathroom breaks. Um, they're making you do this brutal like work in this head, you know, big, you know, you're running all over the place, you're grabbing packages. I would assume that the number of people who have like shoulder and back and knee problems is, you know, especially as they get older is going to just, you know, be compounded. And I mean, yeah. is that kind of the way that they're projecting it? Like, you know, kind of treat us with dignity and respect kind of thing? Or? Yeah, absolutely. That's the, that's the, that seems to be the main issue. Um, the, the issue you talked about, about being a few minutes late, they call that, it's TOT, which is time off task, apparently. And uh, if you're, you know, if, if you're working as a picker on the line and, you know, you need to go take a bathroom break, well, the bathroom's not, you know, it's hundreds of yards away. It's going to take you at least 10 minutes to get there and then another 10 minutes to, to walk back. And so, you know, a lot of these people are coming back and, and, you know, they're a couple minutes late and then they get docked a whole hour's worth of time. And so that's one, uh, grievance. And then, yeah, there's the plan is so huge and, um, you know, it's, it's massive stories and, and, and they have elevators there, but it's only for the goods or products, you know, it's not for, it's not for the workers there. Um, uh, that's one of the issues. And then also too, like what I thought was really interesting that someone told me the other day was, um, a former employee told me that if you do work as a picker, it's really dependent on, um, you know, you have all these, these aisles and, and you may get a list of, of, uh, items you need to go pick and you may go to aisle number three and then you have to go to aisle number 87 and then you have to come back and go to aisle number 76. And so you walk like six miles, I think is what someone said. And then other people may get a list that, you know, they may stay on aisle 17 the whole time. And, you know, you may, you know, make friends with someone or you have a, a, a co-worker that, you know, as someone described it, uh, you know, brings you joy or just like, you know, you have a friend there and, you know, you may work with them on the same aisle or you may see them, you know, for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden, you know, you may not see them for another two or three months, you know, just because the warehouse is so huge and there's so many people and, uh, the way the algorithm is is planned that you know there it it just seems not maybe it's efficient in the in the eyes of the algorithm but it's not sort of uh uh compassionate i guess to the 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 human element of, of this sort of thing and so that's been another thing that's interesting to hear sounds like a modern day um fritz long's movie metropolis you know that's kind of the vision <laughs> i have in my head right now yeah yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say this too is it's interesting that the workers are called pickers, uh, being where you are in, in the South, yeah, in the South, yeah. in, in Alabama. You know, Alabama. I haven't made that connection yeah. yet. Yeah, wow. 
So, Scott, do you want to uh, tell all of our listeners and viewers how to learn more about the Green and Red podcast and how to support us? Thanks for listening to the Green and Red podcast, folks. If you want to follow us on social media, please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please go to our YouTube page and hit subscribe. And then if you want to become a donor or just make a one-time donation, to make a one-time donation, go to greenandredpodcast.org and hit the donate link. And then to become a a regular donor or what is known as a patron, please go to patreon.com forward slash greenredpodcast and join the, the large and growing donor base that we have. Thanks. Thank you. Share everything too. And uh, tell your friends. You mentioned like, okay, so the city is, you know, uh, monkey wrenching the lights. And so the traffic lights. And the tra- what about the, the other, like, there must be community support too. I'm thinking like in the churches. And I mean, are you seeing that too, where there's like kind of, because Jeff Bezos is not, I mean, he's an easy guy to dislike, right? This is like a real life mm-hmm. Montgomery Burns who, you know, is worth, I mean, Amazon itself is worth close to a trillion or maybe over a trillion now. And you know, the profits have just gone insane since COVID and he's the richest guy in the world. And he's gained like $80 billion, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is that part of the kind of community discourse? Like this rich guy oh, is, you know, and, and and does that seem to be like um, in, in the in the Bessemer area kind of making an impact? I mean, so there's this kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there. Um, it, it's interesting to sort of describe the dynamic of this, you know, uh, of, of unions within within the South and also within Bessemer too. And, you know, the, the South is notoriously anti-union and uh, lots of labor organizations have failed here. Um, you know, we're a, a, a right to work and an at will state. So like all the conditions for this to happen are against the union, but yet uh, Birmingham and, and Bessemer and, and, you know, I, I would, I would probably include Bessemer in Birmingham or if, you know, if, you know, someone asked where the plant was, I would say Birmingham, but people that are from Bessemer would say Bessemer. But anyways, regardless, you know, there's been there's a strong union sort of history there. And and you know, you see um the uh, uh Brotherhood of Electrical Workers or um I forget what they're I, I'm learning all these acronyms for these different unions, but yeah, you're seeing a lot of support from other unions across Bessemer and then also um uh, uh you know I sort of was a fly on the wall for a, a, a Black Lives Matter uh, meeting of, of other leaders, and they, they described their um, their tactics or their organization strategy was the five C's. It was uh, church members, uh, cousins, uh, community members, coworkers, and um, uh, what was the other one? There, it was five C's. But anyways, that yeah, they're reaching out to all sorts of other people and. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, like Birmingham does seem to have sort of a an identity with, yeah, this whole this activism thing. And so, I the the mayor Randolph Wood, or uh, Randall Woodfin was was at a rally the other day, and and uh, Anita Turner and all the, there's all these other like I, you know I keep harping back to these civil rights illusions, but you know it's 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 being drilled into the heads of everyone, and I think there is a sense of pride that. You know, we do have this history of, of the, the civil rights here. And, and so um, I think people are trying to trying to leverage leverage that. And then, yes, like all these 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 other uh, points about how uh, uh, Jeff Bezos has you know gained 80 billion dollars and, you know, all these different stats that people are listing off about sort of the income equality and, and all the other, you know, sort of buzzwords, if you will, of, of uh, uh, you know, just how crazy rich amazon is 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 always in the discussion too so 
yeah, that answers kind of the question too. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's so fascinating. I think, yeah. Anyways, but the other and the other interesting dynamic which I said in the intro is that Biden has essentially endorsed th- this, uh, and I think it was actually Mike who told us the other night that that district carried you know voted for Biden seventy plus percent, and I'm and I'm wondering what sort of impact that has had morale wise on people in the community and people at the, and the workers. That's certainly something that's been mentioned a lot. And, uh, um, I haven't really heard that a lot from like workers exactly. You know, I guess, I guess just when I've talked to him, they, they, they talk about other things, but you know, I've heard other people that have shown up in, you know, solidarity of the vote that they say that was like, this was a big deal that, that Biden said this thing. And, yeah, I think it's given a lot of, uh, I don't know, energy to to sort of the, the the efforts there, and you know, for a lot of the folks like seeing these people, you know, Danny Glover and you know all the uh, 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 congressmen and women coming down like that. That's giving a lot of support, and so there's all this like outside influence coming in and and sort of trying to motivate people. But then there's there's also these other people that are that are saying, you know, like, hey, like it's cool and all that these people are you know, from not in Birmingham or coming down and saying how, how good and awesome and, and, you know, hurrah that we are doing it. But like, they're also sort of, uh, you know, trying to rally support within themselves to get other people. And so I think it does have an effect on, on people in in a way that I guess it inspires, you know, organization and, 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 you know, motivation other ways, I guess. I'm I'm kind of curious if with out of state, politicians and notable notables and celebrities if that has also had like a backfire effect like are they saying oh all these out-of-state people are coming in and parachuting in that sort of thing to mess with our own internal stuff here Mm. it it, it's i've seen that i know historically and then i also work as a campaigner doing environmental work and i've seen that the they will do that like the com- the company will do that oh yeah it's a you know the outside the agitator new, trope. outside agitator trope is yeah they're i'm always there yeah are you talking about like like union like- well no i mean i think like they're talking like amazon might be saying you know like oh you need danny glover to come down why can't you make this decision on your own or you know you need these people coming in from dc to tell you what to do and yeah you know we're not going to let outsider agitators come in and tell us what to do that kind of thing which is kind of yeah every every kind of any kind of political which is quite ironic if it was coming from amazon who probably also represents an outside agitating force in a way i don't know i haven't i haven't really noticed that it seems like pretty i think the folks here are like very insular and or they're very they're very confident in in themselves about how they feel and and their motive their own motivations for doing things and so i haven't I don't know. I haven't really experienced anyone, I guess, griping about anyone else coming into town or, or like trying to sway their own opinions, you know, in a sense. And I think people are only motivated by the folks that are coming in to be pro-union, I guess, if that makes sense. But, the other night, yeah. well, we were, we were talking with Mike and, and you know, I'm, I'm older than you guys. And this is like the biggest union campaign in, in my memory. Yeah. But what what I think strikes me as being very different is that it's like you're going up and, you know, like the the, the uh, kind of momentum is is with workers, I think, you know, in the sense because Amazon is it's it's hard for people to love Amazon, you know, yeah. 
And, and I think that's distinguishing. So I get the sense, at least so far, and, and, and this is kind of a long-winded question to you, is like, I get the sense a lot of those old strategies, like the one Scott just invoked, you know, the outside action, aren't really as effective as they might have been years ago or with someone else. And, and, and basically, listening to you, I get the sense that, like, they're pretty doing a really good job of keeping the focus on Amazon and on their, you know, work in the warehouse, the fulfillment center, which is the most fucking Orwellian term you're ever going to hear, right? Fulfillment is like Disney, right? Your wishes, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I get the sense that they're really been really good on keeping keeping the focus on that. And is that what you're kind of hearing and seeing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I keep thinking this movement has had uh, uh, a lot of, uh, the, uh, uh, I am Spartacus moments, you know, like they're just all these people that, that I, I just keep, you know, I'm the big music guy and like, I love, you know, the movie and, 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 uh, uh, the, the symphony. Uh, but yeah, it's like that whole dynamic of like taking on the Roman empire in a sense, you know, it's like, it's like these, these small workers in, in Bessemer are taking on the Amazon union, you know, the Amazon empire in a sense, you know, and they are in a real way. And like, Daryl Richardson and and uh, the other people that you know sort of began parts of the movement. Like I just, I I don't know if they feel that way about themselves, but it seems like that's what they're doing, and and it sort of spawned all these other people that are, you know, you know taking the 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 rally cry and 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 going and and sort of co-opting their their own movements into this same sort of thing. And so I think you're seeing a lot of a lot of these these other movements and other causes sort of seeing that, hey, that we have potential, like, like we all have the same sort of uh, um, ideal in mind that, that we sort of share. And so I think that's what's been interesting is you don't really see that a lot in any of the other movements of, uh, of, of lots of other things. Um, uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter had, had a lot to do with it, and there's a lot of uh, activity this summer here in Birmingham. And, and the most recent podcast I did was, was about a, a particular uh, – police brutality incident that happened here in, in Birmingham in the 70s. And uh, uh, so it was interesting to be working on that story uh, before the George Floyd movement happened. And then that broke out. And then you saw all these protests around Birmingham. And I guess just the whole dialogue and conversation around, you know, that whole movement was interesting. And then now it's leading into this. And it seems like it's just a natural segue. And it's sort of like, in a sense that you know, I, I can't speak as a white person, but it, it, in a lot of ways, I, I think the movement sort of had a victory in, in sort of gaining the national attention. And then now they're seeing this fight as the new the new sort of fight. And if they can get sort of the the attention of the uh, of the nation regarding workers rights and, you know, within the Amazon empire, you know, who, who knows what else it's going to influence or inspire, you know, on other parts of the country. A couple of days ago, I think it was the Guardian even had that David and Goliath reference in, in the in the yeah. headline, and what strikes me also, and I don't know if the workers, if this means anything, this is this is global. I mean, uh, there was a strike against Amazon in Italy today, and I mean, but the, the you know because Amazon is everywhere, and so I'm seeing these statements of solidarity from all over the world. Which you know, when the workers in Pittsburgh, you know, steel workers in Pittsburgh go on strike, it's it's kind of a local issue, you know. And so I wonder, are they like like the Major League Baseball Players Union and the NFL Players Association have all come out? I mean, do they have a sense they're part of something that's like really big and, you know, kind of bigger than than, you know, this is this could set the stage for a renaissance of the union movement if if it works. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, the people are absolutely aware of of sort of the the magnitude of of what this could mean. And 
you know, I'm, I'm meeting other organizers and other people involved that are uh, going out to, to, to other rallies in other cities, like, you know, different union efforts in Atlanta or Chattanooga, like these people are holding solidarity rallies there and, you know, in support of the, the uh, union vote here. So it's pretty incredible to watch and, and to hear from these other people that like, oh, yeah, I just got in from Atlanta last night or, you know, I was in, I drove up from Chattanooga today or there was one guy that uh, uh, drove up from uh, an air hub in Tampa um, and and just he just showed up for the day like just to help canvas like you know one day pass out petitions and signs you know one day and so it seems like a lot of people are really really fired up a, a, about this and and, and the, the folks here like I think are witnessing it too which is which is wild I think you know your point about how this is completely like intersected with Black Lives Matter there's definitely a shift at one point, at least in my view of like of movement history, it's been very siloed, been a very single issue, and that we're increasingly seeing this intersection between civil rights, migrant rights, labor organizing, workers' rights, environmental issues, indigenous rights, and it's 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 quite the. I mean, it's not just the. I I agree with Bob. It's could potentially be a renaissance moment for the union movement, but I, it it's it's almost like. A, we're in a, a renaissance moment for the left as well in, in many ways. I'm, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'd like to think that. Uh, and, you know, that's the whole point of this podcast is to like dream big and hope, you know, we're, we're big on hope here. Uh, and I'm kind of curious if, um, I don't know quite how to ask this question, but the, the sort of like kind of bigger narrative, I mean, what do you think, like I saw this weekend where there were all these solidarity actions. And so like the bigger narrative is like, do you think this is the, what I've been getting a sense from payday reports that this is going to be a spark for a sort of like kind of bigger movement and bigger narrative. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I think it could be, or I think it's, this is another opportunity to, I think, refine their organizational, uh, skills in terms of, of, uh, these different movements. You know, I, I think they've had several years of, of these different issues. And I think with each new movement, you know, these new players, these new people that sort of stand out as, uh, you know, outspoken people or spokes, spokesperson for whatever movement or, or thing that they're, you know, advocating for or fighting for that they get this recognition and, uh, and then all of a sudden, then when the next issue happens, like they're kind of almost the point person for that sort of thing. And then within those those people, there's this, these all these levels of, you know, other organizers and other people that are kind of behind the scenes. And I think the fact that a lot of these things are happening so quickly that those organizational structures are still intact. And so I think when this vote came along, like there were still all these these people involved and like all the uh you know, the folks that are, you know, founders of the BLM Birmingham or the, or the BLM Montgomery or the BLM Huntsville, like they're all still the same people and they're all meeting at a conference room in a hotel in Birmingham and they do that all the time and they, they have these goals and they have these plans and they know who to call, you know, who, you know, where to go. And so I think these things uh, are, are still intact. And so I, I think they're only gaining momentum for for each thing that they're doing and, and they're they're seeing a level of success with with all the all the past issues and i think you know obviously the you know last four years of the trump administration has definitely fired up people to 
speak out. And so there's already this like people that are, you know, it's like you're, you're hitting the ground running for, for whatever it is you're doing. So I, I think, um, you know, this dream big idea is, 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 um, not just aspirational right now. It seems like it's a lot of, a lot of people are, are making some change or at least they feel as if like they're, they're gaining ground in, in a lot of ways. So the, um, about a month ago, I talked to someone in Austin, Texas, right after the deep freeze. And she said pretty much the same thing that, you know, they had organized an early 2020 around COVID. And then they were, you know, when the Floyd protest uprisings hits, and then they're already having an infrastructure in place. So when Texas froze over and people literally needed their lives saved, they were there and ready to go. And what Scott said, piggyback on what you said a minute ago, it actually, this is what Martin Luther King was talking about with the poor people's campaign at the end of his life, what you're seeing there. Yeah. So it's about a lot of things, right? It's about union rights. It's about race, but it's also at heart about wealth versus work, which is essentially a class issue, which we don't really talk about that much in America. And I don't know if they're kind of pitching it that way, but at the green you know, red podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean the people in, in, in Bessemer, if they're talking about this as a class, like, is that kind of a narrative, like this rich guy who is worth gazillions, you know, runs your life, you know? Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of talk about how, especially in the South there, you know, we are generations removed from a lot of the plantations and, and a lot of the, you know, terrible imagery of, of yesteryear of the, the old South, if you will. But a lot of those concentrations of wealth are still there. And, and, and a lot of the families and a lot of the, the people that do control the wealth around here, uh, in a lot of ways still exist in, in some sort of ways. And, and, and for people that don't live in that circle or, or that, are, that exist outside of that circle, it's still relatively hard to sort of gain ground in a sense. So there's that historical aspect of it, but whether or not that's on the minds of the workers and the folks that are in the trenches there, I'm not sure if, if that's quite on their minds. I'm sure they feel that in some subconscious level, I absolutely, I'm sure, you know, I, I, I totally can't relate or, you know, I, I can't speak for that sort of dynamic, but I'm, I'm sure it's there. Uh, but it, it seems though that what is most being talked about is that this larger idea of the wealth inequality and the 1% and, and the, the billionaires like Jeff Bezos in a sense. Um, so that, that, that seems to be what is coming up and how people are talking about it at least. I think we're moving towards the end here. And I'm wondering if Bob has any last questions. Just a, uh, kind of a functional, or, you know, mm -hmm. um, just the mechanisms of the vote. They're, they're voting. It's actually a paper ballot. Yeah, I believe they're, they're mail-in ballots. And they've ballots. been voting. Like, it's, it's already open, right? And then yeah. next. They started in the beginning of March, I believe. And, they, and, and uh, I want to say it was March 8th. You might want to fact check me okay. on that. And, but... and you, like, bring the vote to a, a ballot box you don't mail it in or anything like that i, I think right? you can mail it in actually yeah and okay. there was there was some controversy in that uh amazon amazon apparently from what i hear or what's being reported is that amazon is just doing a lot of these things to just sort of throw a, a, a wrench in the cogs of how this is working and they, and they they're trying to disrupt and sort of you know sow chaos in, in sort of this whole process just just because and they're doing things that uh uh are, are illegal in certain aspects, you know, knowingly just to sort of cause this confusion. I overheard a, a lawyer that's representing the union organizing and, and, and he said that, um, there's a 
Amazon fought to have a ballot box at the plant itself, and uh, apparently that is legal. And uh, I overheard another reporter uh, go with uh, Representative Levin to go look at the ballot box, and and yep, there's a there's a ballot box there that people are turning in stuff. So I believe, I, yeah, I believe it's it. They can mail it in, and they have up until the 29th, like to postmark their mail-in ballot, and then I think they'll be tabulated on the 30th. And yeah, so they, the NLRB will do that. And I believe both management and union have someone they're allowed to have somebody, you know, kind of pull watchers or something. Observers. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I just, the, the, the mail thing is, you know, based on the post office and I'm sure Bezos, you know, that would concern me there. I mean, if it's yeah. like a postmark date or if it has to be in by that date or, or yeah. what, you know, otherwise, um, the only other thing I would say is like, what do you have? Like what's, you know, coming, like you have a, a hell of a week ahead of you and Mike Elk is coming down. I mean, what do you have anything like specific you're, you're going to be focusing on or uh, uh hoping to go chase some more tornadoes on thursday uh or maybe not hoping but uh uh um no i think we have some pretty bad storms on thursday and then uh yeah mike's mike's coming down on friday and then we also have a, a videographer from dc a guy named pete that he's coming on thursday and uh i'm sort of uh transitioning to uh taxi driver uh throughout that that process i think mike and them will be be here for a week and we have a, a, a another young uh, 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 black guy that's uh, uh, coming out of Mississippi to help do some uh, videography stuff and he's really really big into like old lo-fi VCR sort of stuff and me I, I shoot a lot of film and so I love that that sort of thing too so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to you know work with him um, and then um, yeah I think sort of just wait till everything happens and I think there might be another a few another events that are coming up but uh yeah it is you know it's it's storm season around here so it's been pretty rainy and uh it might get nasty the next couple of days but uh i don't know i'll be i'll be out there well let's uh, the... let's hope that tornado uh hits uh jeff bezos next week so. <laughs> yeah yeah here's, here's metaphorically you know what i mean here's the, here's the hoping yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah okay there you go yeah it's pretty good <laughs> well no i mean a yes vote you know i oh yeah, I get yeah the yeah. sense from mike and you that i mean there's some optimism there you know Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's been interesting uh, learning all this through Mike, and and I guess candidly, this is my first time covering labor reporting, uh, but it's been fascinating, and, and to learn kind of the psychology of all how it happens with him, and and uh, you know his big thing that I think has stuck with me is that uh, you know I, I I think people are pretty confident, and it's going to be pretty close, uh, just the way in which people are. Are talking about it, and and the fact that they're they're not really pointing to any certain boogeyman about who is trying to disrupt anything. It seems like that there there is this uh, momentum that seems to be around the workers, and and I, I don't see or hear or hear anyone else talk about a no, you know, vote in this thing. So it's it's probably going to be pretty pretty dang close. So we'll we'll see. I think. Folks, we've been talking with Alex Ritchie with pay, working with Payday Report as a Bill Greider grant recipient. Alex also produces the Unjustifiable podcast and the All Scout podcast. So definitely check those out and we'll include those in our show notes. Uh, we've been talking about the Amazon Union Drive in Bessemer, Alabama, part of in the Birmingham area. And it's been great talking to you. Yeah. And 
folks, if you want to learn more about the Green Red Podcast, always check out our social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a YouTube page where this interview will be posted. You can check us out. Uh, you can check us out as Green Red Media at, on Medium. And then always make a donation to greenredpodcast.org and hit that support button or become a patron at patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast. And so Alex, it's been great talking with you today. I really appreciate you coming on. There's a lot going on. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate you making the time. That's great that that is, uh, you know, on the scene uh, input. So that's awesome. Thanks. Exactly. All right. And uh, everyone else, stay safe out there and we'll talk to you again soon.